Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, and welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. My name is Mark, and today I'm back here again with Gail. How's it going, Gail? It's all right. I just wanted to say for a second about us not posting last week. I think it's it's, it's important because like what we tried to do, we didn't have much inspiration on what to talk about last week, essentially, and we were kind of like looking at the Amazon update, etc. And just wanted to say that at Authority Hacker, we prefer not posting for a week rather than bullshitting you with an episode that, you know, doesn't add a lot of value. So I know a lot of people were waiting for the episode, but we try to value your time. So that was basically a quick update to say, you know, why we didn't post last week. But uh, if we're not inspired, we'd, we'd rather not waste your time, essentially. We're also moved into a kind of new office as well. So there was yeah, a lot of uh, logistical <laughs> stuff going on. But yeah. Anyway, so today's episode is is called 11 Things You Can Expect From Starting Internet Marketing Today. And it came about from, uh, I think it was Authority Hacker Pro or Authority Site System support ticket that came in. And I'm not going to mention the person's name, but they, they, ha- they were experiencing some pretty significant financial issues. I think they, like their partner had lost their job and it was kind of a somewhat desperate or about to be desperate situation. And they're kind of asking, oh, you know, how long does this take and how, what should I do? And I don't really know if it's our, uh, our place to really give life advice like that, but we, we didn't really have too much, any content on the site, on our site, which we could point them to. So that kind of started the idea for, for this podcast. And I think as well, like when we're doing our product launches, there's a, there's always people asking, I think there's always people who don't really have firm expectations of what they're getting themselves into. So I think, again, this will be something useful, which we can uh, we can point them to. Yeah, I mean, we, we get a lot of these messages everywhere. Like, same like on the last post we published on the uh, site architecture site. Like, you know, we promoted the post on Facebook and got a lot of exposure. And we get some comments like, hey, I need to make money. What would be the best and free because I'm a student? And like my answer was like, get a job, you know, and like 11 people like this. <laughs> I mean, the truth is, the truth is, and we'll talk about that, you know, it's uh, what we're doing is it's probably not the first thing you should do in life when you your main worry is to pay your rent and, your, and you know, having enough food for the, the end of the month, essentially. Yeah. So, so let's just jump into it. Yeah, uh, just before we start, I want to say that we're uh, at the end, we're just going to give a little quick update on our sort of Amazon situation since uh, we're as we're recording this, it's the 5th of March. So we have like five days or four days of, of data. So we'll we'll share a little bit of uh, info about that at the end. But yeah, let's let's get started. So the first one on our list is it's not a solution to urgent money troubles, which I think was kind of echoed what you were trying to say yeah. quite succinctly, if I might add, in that, <laughs> uh, in that comment, right? Well, I mean, you know, you started with a job. I started with a job. You know, when you're a student, I think there's no shame starting with a job, right? I think it's completely fine. But most importantly, what we're doing is more like a way to make, essentially to make some of your money work, but also to make some of your time that you've spent in the past work for you, right? So if you spend time writing a blog post today, that doesn't necessarily cost you money, but it costs you time. 
And then that time that you spend writing that blog post, because the blog post ranks in Google or gets shared or you know gets traffic and generates revenue, uh, that time essentially pays you over time. And in the end, uh, if you calculate the number of hours you spent on that blog post and the amount of money you make in the next five or ten years from that blog post, it's usually a very high revenue per hour, provided you you're willing to wait the time it takes for that blog post to generate that money. But you know that works if you don't need that money today. Right. If you need that money today. Uh, well, probably in the first months of publishing that blog post, many times we make no money at all, right? And then, you know, by the time it ranks or whatever, we spend like, I don't know, 10 hours and then it pays us back like six months later or eight months later. And you need to be able to afford to wait that time. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble because the, the, if you did that full time for months, you probably would not be able to pay your rent and your, and your food at the end of month one, you know? Yeah, I think this is, it's almost like the opposite situation. So if you need money now or, you know, in a month's time, this is the last thing that you should be doing. And I think that the people who should be getting into internet marketing are people who they have their bases covered. They can, you know, survive for the next, you know, few months at least. Not to do it part-time, right? I was going to talk about like managing your time like a portfolio, right? Mm -hmm. You could be working on something that pays your bills, so pays your rent and pays your food and whatever basic needs you have. And, you know, from that point where you've paid that, you, you have a choice. It's like, hey, do I do more of that work to, you know, generate more money this month or do I put time in and maybe some money I have into long-term projects such as building websites that will pay me off in six to nine to 12 months that, you know, could be in the end a much higher revenue per hour, but it's okay because you got your basis covered. So you can, you can manage your time like a portfolio essentially and just figure out what you need and then put the rest into long-term investments that, you know, snowball into making you more and more money every month essentially. Yeah, and the other thing I wanted to say is it, a lot of people, I, I get the impression that a lot of people think it's some kind of magical money tree type thing, which is like an undiscovered profitable way of like just turning nothing into money. It doesn't work like that. It's Internet marketing has been around for quite a while now. There are many newer industries that have been around far less time. It's established. It has its established players. It works like any other industry. There's nothing special about it in, in, in that way. So, yeah, I think a lot of people will see sales pages for certain products with like pictures of Ferraris and, uh, you know, oh, oh yeah. I have this huge tax bill to pay. And then I just did this, found this Internet marketing thing. And wow, I'm I'm rich now. I sent two emails to my brand new email list and yeah. I made five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it's just it's just not realistic. Like uh, there's a lot of people like uh, really a lot of people making money in Internet marketing. But there's very few people making, you know, tens of millions in Internet marketing. Like Very, yeah. very few. So, yeah. And, and the other thing as well is if you do have money troubles at the moment, then you, you got to remember it's not just time you're putting into this, but you need to pay money, you know, even for the basic things like a website and that kind of stuff, but also tools you know, if you're buying Ahrefs, that's not a, not a cheap tool. It's not a cheap investment. Content, uh, all of the things which you need to to grow and to generate money, in a way, cost money. So, you, if you if you don't have any, then you probably shouldn't be spending it on uh, on on this at the moment, at least. Yeah, I mean, one thing I wanted to add is like, for the people that are listening to this and they're like, you know, they need money right now, but they they want to do that stuff, right? And they want to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I think no, not many people talk about, but is definitely widespread amongst the people are that you know that are in this transition period, 
is learning like one part of this process. So it can be like link building or social media, or you can be a graphic designer, whatever your skills are, apply to online marketing and sell them as a service on top of running your websites. And so you can sell these services as a way to pay your bills. And at the same time, you're practicing getting better, et cetera. So like you could be practicing your link building and selling guest posting, for example, which mm -hmm. we did for a while. We had like a whole team selling guest posts to a lot of people. Uh, we were like the back end of so many agencies back then. The reason we do so well at link building today is also because of that background. So I th I'm not saying that you can't just you know, drop everything and get into this today, but you definitely need a strategy to pay your bills and you need a long-term strategy, which uh, you know people don't really think about when it gets started, you know? Yeah, before I, it's not strictly speaking true, like I had a, a full-time job and I, uh, I, was, I was trying this out, had a few failures mentioned in some of the other podcasts we've done about, uh, about it, but I, I, I worked in Upwork as yeah. like a project manager for web design company for, for a while, um, like seven eight, or eight months uh, before things like started to take off for us enough that I could uh, I could quit and at the beginning you were doing your upwork job plus we had we were just getting started you know yeah exactly exactly so I mean it's it's perfectly perfectly doable option as well and I think it's, it's quite probably good good option to like start generating those skills uh, as you said there's actually a friend of ours that's in uh, in age pro it's actually um, I'm gonna say it <laughs> it's gonna hate me it's parents brother so he had a, a site that was making okay money and he's like a traveling, etc. At some point that site just stopped ranking for its main keywords and he just, you know, wasn't making as much money as he, as he needed to essentially survive, right? And we talked and I was like, well, you know, you've been learning that online marketing stuff for a while. Why don't you take the guest posting process that you've learned from us and make it a service? I mean, I know from experience it can make good money. And so, you know, he put his sites on post for, for like two months. Mm-hmm. And he focused on that just so that he can pay his bills, right? And he, he could afford, I think he could afford like 12 weeks of survival, quote unquote, right? Within, within three or four months, he was making five figures a month selling guest posting. And so what this gives him today is not only can he, you know, sustain his lifestyle, but more importantly, he has money to invest into his websites. So they actually grow probably just as fast as they used to. Plus he has a business, a second business on top of it, you know? Yep. And that's, um, that's, that's the thing as well. When you start selling services like that or selling, selling your time, even y you can make the return much faster versus creating the website and, uh, you know, getting that struggling yeah. and running. There's always like, you know, SEO takes time. So yeah, there's kind of like a, a much, yeah. much longer lag there. Yeah. Same with my, uh, one last one, actually one last story. People like these stories. <laughs> <laughs> so my, I guess our trainer right now wants to wants to start a website as well, and uh, he hates writing, right? And so we're talking, and so he's like, "Ah, oh, but like it's gonna take me forever to to write, etc." I'm like, "What are you talking about? Just book like three more, three four more clients per week, and then every time you book an extra training session on top of what you had now, buy two articles, you know." Mm -hmm. And and essentially, he he has been able, like, he's basically trying to do that now, and he's essentially training his time where he had a high value, and then using that money to buy, you know. Low, lower value than his time, uh, labor, and as a result, gets more done actually by just doing what he knows what to do. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's a personal trainer like at the gym for, yeah. for anyone who didn't catch that. But yeah, okay, so that's point one of eleven. Um, <laughs> we should probably move on if we want to keep this under All three right. hours. So our, the next point is is around 
skills and and learning things. I mean, the fact is you're you're gonna have to learn a lot of stuff when you get into this. Kind of like being the I wouldn't really say I'm a master at any one thing, but it's kind of like you have to be a jack of all trades. And when something comes up, you just have to learn it. And it's kind of like a mindset thing that that you either have or, or, or you don't have. It's like if there's a new... So I just made a list of like all of the all of the skills which you do which you do on like a regular basis. And it'd be like writing, web design, server admin, graphics design, sales psychology, human resources, hiring, accounting, search engine optimization, pay-per-click advertising, social media, audio engineering, video production, Excel, and data analytics. That's not really something you can go to university or school for and learn all of those things. Like each of those is probably its own degree if there even if there even is one. And a lot of the time there's no kind of single place to go to to get information on how to do that you just kind of have to like have a go and figure it out and learn from other people and watch a lot of youtube videos and buy some courses and and invest time into and break a lot of things as well yeah i mean people that are in age pro they know about that because they see me do videos i'm like designing something then i'm like jumping into the analytics then i'm like building a page then i'm like writing a sales page and it's like i mean this is stuff that you learn as you go that's what makes the job fun, I would say, as well. So. Oh, for sure. Like, uh, But I think it's really crucial that you have to have that like love for learning new things and discovering things and curiosity almost about it. So, for example, was last year, someone tried to sue us for, for something. I had to become a lawyer for, for a week and figure out what was going on and like the intricacies of that. Not that we didn't have a lawyer help us out, but in order to ma- manage that situation effectively, it's, you just need to do that. And, you know, in that kind of situation, there's no time to go to law school for seven years or however long it takes. Yeah. I had to call um, you Mike Ross for a week, right? <laughs> <laughs> you just have to take care of that stuff, you know? They were unsuccessful, so, yeah, that was, that was good. We're doing that podcast from jail <laughs> right now, you know? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to say as well, like, talking about skills, it's one thing that I don't like about other blogs slash websites i mean many other blogs slash websites not everyone talking about that stuff is they're gonna make it sound much easier than it is stacking all these skills it's gonna take time it's gonna take experiences as i said before it's gonna take breaking stuff and you should not be afraid of you know i used to be the guy that i was going to my grandmother's place and i was literally touching every button on her tv and she would just like freak out because i would just like change all the settings and play with everything and and make it not work half the time but that's the kind of mentality you want with your website if you really want to acquire these skills fast. So all I want to say is acquiring skills so it does take time. And until you're comfortable, it's going to be a while. It's not something that even no matter how good the method that you follow is, even ours, you know, we show people how to do it. It doesn't mean they're necessarily comfortable with everything at, this, at the point where they're done with the courses. You will just need to accept that it's it's a job. It's, once again, it's not magic, essentially. Yeah, and I think also being okay with not being an expert in things, you know, it's it's okay to to be good enough, but it doesn't have to be like super perfect. So if you if you are a perfectionist, and I know both you and I like have this mentality, and in the past it's held us back in many, not too much anymore many actually. occasions, and so you, you kind of have to just accept that things are never going to be perfect, and there's always going to be like it's always going to be, be a bit messy. So, yeah. Okay, let's move on. Um, okay, fine. <laughs> we're still, still not getting that. through this any faster. <laughs> so, number three, everything is always changing. We learned this very, very, very hard about 
a year and a half into it. I think it was like 2010, 2011, when the first Google Panda penguin update penguin. came along. Panda went through pretty easily. But. And we were, so we had a SEO agency back then, or digital marketing agency if you want back then, and we were doing a lot of gray hat SEO for clients. And about 80% of our clients got penalties like in one day because of the link building that we're doing, that we were doing. And so that was just like a pretty rude awakening to the realities of, of online marketing. And yeah, it was quite a difficult one to to get through. Looking back on it, it's I, I think it was, it's, I'm really glad that happened because it forced us to, to make all these changes and sort of set about on our path down where we eventually ended up. Yeah, it would be really sleazy today if it didn't happen. You yeah. Know. You ought to be expect the unexpected and be okay with someone pulling the rug out from under you. You know, the, the recent Amazon affiliate earnings update where they reduced a lot of categories earnings quite significantly was one example of this. You know, a lot of people are freaking out, but it's a thing. These things happen. You just got to deal with it. And what's the next yeah. logical solution to, to take in that situation. That's how you recognize the really good people as well, right? The people that actually survive many of these changes. Because essentially every time these changes happen, like let's say 10 to 15% of the community just like washes out with the waves, you know, <laughs> and disappears. And like as you go through like 10 to 10 waves or something, like a lot, there's not a lot of people left, right? And that's how you recognize the good people. They're the people that are still left after all these things happen. And so uh, there's no question that if you want to do this in the long run, if you want to make this your life, you're going to have to go through many of these. So the question is, are you just a follower or can you actually figure stuff out when new things happen as well? Yeah, and this works on the other way, not just like bad things happening, but you know, when Facebook released a lookalike audiences feature for, for its advertising, like, okay, how can you take advantage of that quickly and make a lot of money? you got to stay ahead of the curve and like just be aware of all these little changes, uh, which may not seem like a big deal and certainly won't be on any newspapers, but really will can, can influence your bottom line quite significantly. Yep. Let's go on the next point. Like so, we're, we're going faster and faster right now. Let's not stop now. <laughs> awesome. Number four, barriers to entry are really, really low. So this is both a good thing and a bad thing. When you're first starting out, if you compare it to a traditional business, if you want to set up a restaurant, say, the barriers to entry are reasonably low, but they're still quite high. You need a lot of money. You need a business plan. You need to get a chef in place. You need to get all the materials, your processes, your staff, your uh, I mean, you're spending five figures kind of to get started. Oh, probably more than that. More than that. Yeah. High five um, figures. At least for to, start a, to start a website, it's $10, sometimes less for domain. WordPress is free maybe like a couple bucks a month for hosting but wordpress is free your theme's free you can you know do most of the basics of at least getting your website up there even producing content yourself for free or or for very little cost anyway so in that sense the the barriers to entry are low but that's where a lot of people after they've done that they're like okay why am i not making money yeah i mean that's just like you know step 0 that's a start screen um in order to actually like progress you just have to do marketing and that's where a lot of people then suddenly realize oh you know it's actually like quite complex i need to learn all these things and then it becomes like more of a more of a big deal i also want to say that there's a big big benefit to being an established player in this industry so 
and this happens directly from Google. So in terms of search results, like older sites tend to, not always, but tend to have a much, much easier chance of ranking. So you're kind of up against it from, from that perspective. But that can also be, there is actually also opportunity there though, because in order to then beat them, beat the established sites, you have to kind of innovate. So you have to get more specific about a topic or just do their job better than, than they do. So yeah, anything else to say on that? Um, not really. I mean, it's just like, uh, I also think like virus to entry to get the website live are low, but like to building a full website is actually higher than people expect. And because the entry, it's, it's so low to get the site online to be able to type your domain in your browser and it shows up, right? People expect that, you know, that's 75% of the job, right? The truth is it's still going to be a bunch of time or money to get nearly enough content to be competitive and also to promote it, right? Because you're like one of, you know, 100,000 new websites that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to, to, to stand out, you're going to need to hustle. And so the barrier to entry to, I would argue the barrier to entry to, for the site to be up is low. And that's why there's so many websites. But at the same time, the barrier to, and like, you know, if you count the barrier to entry to, the, the, if you count the entry to making your first dollars, it's much higher than actually people think or expect, you know? Right. And it also means that it's, it's actually easy for anyone to, to start a website. So if, if yours is successful, you know, in a few years time, then it's easy for someone else to kind of copy you. So that that's something to, to think about as well. But the same But that's point applies. 11. <laughs> yeah. Let's just jump onto that, actually. It's true. Like, it's it, you can actually, uh, especially as you get older, right? Uh, it's like, at the beginning, we were like, we were like, oh, we're getting 60, 70, 80,000 views per month, which is, you know, a lot for a lot of people, but really it's not a lot for website. And nobody was copying us, but like as we get more and more on the radar, like I see so many copies of what we do everywhere. And, you know, people are going to work hard to like catch up with you. I've seen copies of Authority Hacker because we've been so slow at publishing, getting more traffic than us from Google at that point. Right. I have seen that. Honestly, it's not because... We have done a bad job. It's mostly because they, they they had been willing to push like large amounts of content faster than we did, whereas we cared more about quality. And as a result, yeah, some of these people are getting more and more traffic. But that keeps you on your toes. And that actually, so I was like, oh, okay, so you copied us. You got more traffic. Let me see what you rank for. <laughs> and now we have a, like a huge wave of content that's catching up right now on like a bunch of, I mean, obviously like we're, we're not copying everything, whatever, but like it is a game of like, it's like on TV, right? There's, there's no new programs coming up. It's like either reality TV or documentary or whatever. Well, it's kind of the same thing here. Just like uh, th- there's not much getting invented on the internet these days. It's mostly just a lot of the same thing with you know, who is going to be in front of the user first, Yep, I would say. So now let's jump back on up. Okay. <laughs> one second. One second. <laughs> yeah, okay. Jump back on point five. Okay, let's start again from here, RJ. Another point as well is that uh, the passive income one, right? I mean, you know, I love Pat Flynn, but I think he's... Uh, his branding is a little bit misleading. You know, his website is smartpassiveincome.com. It's one of the biggest sites in the industry for what we do. But I don't believe what we do is real passive income. You know what I mean? It's like 
passive income, it comes from like capital investment and, you know, putting money on the stock market, etc. And essentially, as long as you didn't lose everything, you know, your money is always going to be there working for you, generating more income. Yeah. I just got to throw the Tim Ferriss reference in at this point. I mentioned this many times on the podcast before, but if anyone's read The 4-Hour Work Week, which a lot of people have, and it's it's a great book and I highly recommend it. I highly recommend all of Tim's books, actually. But the notion that you can work four hours a week in online marketing is is not really realistic. I think where the passive income talk comes from is in that it's possible tomorrow for me to go sit on the beach for a day, maybe a week, probably not a month, but a day, maybe a week. And the business will keep going, assuming Gail wasn't there, but the, you get my point. The business will keep going. Isn't that and, what you're doing, Dubai? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the business will keep going and you know everything will be okay. You can still make money. You can still make money on your days off when you're sleeping. You know These kind of things are cool. It's cool to wake up having uh, checked your phone and having made some money, but that's not passive income. It's just the, 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 Delayed the, the way of- in which you're earning income is based on other people, not the, the direct input as to your time you're spending on the business. Therefore, it's not really passive income. As Gail, as you rightly said, uh, passive income comes from investments. So if you invest in the stock market or perhaps a property or you know just a regular old bank savings account, that is true passive income. This is absolutely not that. And you, you will have to work, in many cases, way more than you would. In, in fact, in most cases, if you want to be successful at this, you have to work a lot more than you would at a regular job. I mean, as we're recording this, it's Sunday night. That's not an issue. We, we just have to do this podcast for tomorrow. Therefore, we'll, we have to get it out today. So, you know, that's... Reminds me of uh, when I was at school, not doing my homework. It was like 10 p.m. on Sunday. And I had to do all my homework till like 2 a.m. But that's not that. We're, we're okay with that. But anyway, the way it works is it's not passive income. It's delayed gratification. As we said, like, you know, you invest 10 hours today in writing a piece of content. And in the next two years, you're going to get paid, you know, 10 bucks a month. It's going to add up to actually quite a lot of money. You're going to make in total 500 bucks from a piece of content. And so, you know, you could call it passive income because like you may take a month off and like all these pieces of content you've written, they generate that money. But really, that content probably has a lifetime revenue cap. It's not going to make money forever. It's not going to always going to be relevant. It's not going to always rank in Google or that stuff. There is an end to that content. It's just, it takes a long time. And that's what creates this illusion of passive income. But really, I would love to see people that have stopped doing that stuff like more than five years ago and still make a lot of money from it because I don't think that that happens. All right. But, can we move on to the next one with the Jon yeah. Snow reference? Uh, okay. I didn't get it, but tell the me. First, the first point here is you start knowing nothing. Ah, okay. So essentially, this point is you may not reach full-time income on your first try. In fact, it's quite likely that, that you won't. The first website won't be successful. So you try to treat it as a learning experience. When you start out, you know nothing. And you should accept that that's, that's the case and treat it as such. Yeah. As a result, like what happens when you know nothing, actually? I'm going to take over from there is that you will make a bunch of mistakes on your first site, most likely. Like, you will mess up the URL structure, or you will you will do something that will, you know, shoot yourself in the foot for the rest of the life of the website, or just make it more difficult. And that's definitely something we're living with on Health Ambition, for example. There's been many mistakes, and in many cases, I was like, well, in the long run, we, we make more money starting over. We haven't at that point. I'm not saying we will never do that. 
But all I'm saying, and that though that was the whole point, is that sometimes when you're a real newbie, like we were not real newbies when we started House Mission, and still sometimes I'm like, holy crap, we did a lot of bad stuff on there. And so sometimes you want to start over, and that's going to make more sense than trying to grow that site. And I've met a lot of people that didn't have any focus for their site. They called it like Gail's blog, and they just wrote about everything. And so that's what I'm saying by you will not necessarily reach full-time income on your first try. You will learn a lot. But there's a, a lot of people I know that do this full-time now, you know, they're on their second or third website. So don't panic if your first site doesn't work out. It's pretty normal, actually. Yeah, we actually did a podcast about our some of our failed sites. It's authorityhacker.com forward slash fail. You can, you can check out some of those quite interesting stories. Okay, cool. We're making good good time progress. Let's uh, get on to number seven. Uh, We're definitely doing an hour, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's a mental battle. There's going to be ups and downs in this. We sort of alluded to that earlier when we talked about things like the the Google update or the more recently sort of Amazon affiliate earnings changes. But you need to be able to cope with these mentally, and you need to have quite a sort of firm mental position if you have a lot of other difficult things going on in your life, like family problems or other things like that, those are absolutely going to weigh into your business. And to do online marketing, you kind of really need to have a have a strong focus here. In terms of practical effects of this, things like financial planning are, is, a, is a huge thing. It can be very tempting when you start making a good amount of money to spend it on, I don't know, sports cars or holidays or whatever gold watches, these kinds of things. Show yeah, I don't know where to put mine anymore, you know? <laughs> yeah. show, off your new, show off your new wealth. But it's kind of a trap there because I've yet to see anyone whose income just keeps increasing month after month after month and never has any downtime or downturns rather. I mean, we're the same. So you have to kind of like set aside uh, some money for inevitable crashes and inevitable changes. And you have to have sort of uh, a good amount of run in your capital in your bank so you can keep going and keep investing and keep doing other things when changes inevitably happen. Likewise, I think being of sort of sound mind and being fairly grounded as a person is necessary for this. Otherwise, you know, you just end up spending money you don't have and come tax season or whatever, then you can't pay your bill like uh, Ryan Dice couldn't apparently. Um, <laughs> I'm like 10% sure this is real, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I, I think also like, you know, the fact that revenue goes up and down, like we were talking about that with some uh, friends on Friday when I went out, actually. It's like, it's so comforting to know how much you're going to make next month. And you don't get that. So I think like when you talk about being grounded, it's very important, especially as you're getting started and as you're like, just, you know, borderline making enough money to survive. Like, you know, some months you will not make as much as you need and some months you will make twice more. But the fact that, sometimes, you know, imagine you are at 2K and you go up to $4,000 a month. It's like awesome, etc. It goes for two months and boom, you go down to 1500 like three months later. Like even if you could survive, even if you're pretty much at the same point you were three months ago, which, you know, most people with a job do and on average you're higher anyway. 
like mentally, it's gonna be a huge, like depressing moment where you're like, oh, am I doing the right thing? Is this all going to crash tomorrow? Is this gonna work, etc. And you know, even the people that make you know five, six figures a month do get that stuff. Like I mean, like sometimes, like <laughs> sometimes I get that to be honest. And it's like even though like we're making like way more money than we need to to leave, etc. You get these doubt moments. And, and I think when you say it's a mental battle, it's also something that you need to deal with. And you can only take a distance from the variations and be, you know, be like, look, on average, we're doing pretty OK. And that's why you need to look at your average yearly. I think that's that's yeah, a good way. Of- I, I think if you start sort of looking at oh, how much money did I make today, how much money did I make today or this week or even this month, th- those are the useful things to know. But really, it's a much longer period. Like what's the average over the year? is a much better way of of looking at things. And I will say that I think these issues actually get worse as you grow because the more you grow, I mean, it's not good from a business perspective to just like have all your capital sitting in the bank. You should be reinvesting it and trying to grow even faster, right? Well, when you start doing that, you end up, what do you end up doing? You know, spending a lot of money on content, on writers, on whatever else you're doing. It's scary. Um, and, And then... And then if you have a downturn, it's like, oh, crap, it's not just about paying rent this month. It's about paying 20 people's rent uh, indirectly through their salaries. But you get the picture. So that's an even bigger situation where you've you got to take a step back and be like, uh, oh, OK, you know, can I really afford to be doing this? Uh, how is this going to impact my next year's costs as opposed to, oh, it's just this amount of money. This person just costs this amount of money per month. So it's not a big deal. Like think I, I always sort of think of people's annual salaries rather than monthly salaries when I'm when thinking of I don't know my, my personal solution for that is just to ask you actually so that's it <laughs> <laughs> so go ask Mark guys yeah <laughs> all right so number eight is you have a high chance of success and I'm gonna clarify that in a second but a lot of people think that a lot of people see these online marketing sales pages and oh here's this course you with a picture of a ferrari on it and and they kind of think this looks like it can make a lot of money but perhaps they're a little bit skeptical like does it really work can anyone really do it the answer to those two questions is yes it does really work and almost anyone can can really do this and almost anyone if you keep applying yourself will have a pretty high chance of at least making a decent living off of this right but the key difference is here is like that I know a lot of people who are making a living off of in internet marketing. I know quite a few people who are making a very, very good living. I know hardly anyone that's really like, you know, making eight, nine figures a, a year off of this. So you just got to sort of position your expectations as such in that way. We use this example quite a few times with like the um, a tech startup. So if you're launching a new crazy piece of software like trying to be the next Facebook or Snapchat or something like that the chance of you being successful is very low like zero point something percent most likely but if you if you do if you do make it the reward is astronomical you're me a billionaire no question uh, about that in internet marketing most likely you're not going to be become a billionaire I think there's a reasonable, reasonably good chance you can, you can become a millionaire, but a million dollars is not a huge amount of money anymore these days. I mean, depending on where you live. Well, obviously. you know, <laughs> um, I'm not sure everyone's going to agree with that, but it's nice to have, but it's definitely achievable these days. Yeah, that's all I mean by it. So, 
So yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's it's also like you know I was talking with uh, Thomas Mel, who is the creator and CEO of uh, FE International. You know, they're the they're the guys like buying and selling websites essentially, and uh, they sold. Um, like drip to lead pages and they sell a bunch of content and you know he did a webinar for hro and you know one of his takeaways was like content sites are you know way easier to build than a tech startup and at the same time they also have like the the multiple is not very different because they're so easy to run so they're very sought after and a lot more people are buying them so like you know the multiplier i think he was saying like the multiplier on a on a software a service startup style thing is like 50 to 60 monthly revenue. And on the content side these days, it's like 30, 35, which, you know, it's half, but like it's, you know, less than half as hard to build a content site because you just need to install WordPress and post content versus building a tech startup and making sales for it, you know? You know, actually, the, 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 the you get more value building content sites than you do building tech startups at this point. And so, yeah, your chances of being successful, they they are much higher than in a, the startup world, I would say. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's move on. Number nine, leave your ego at the door. So several years ago, back when we were working with clients, there was this one client. I think you had the call with this guy, Gail. Um, <laughs> we were basically... Uh, we had done some. I had a, a bunch of phone calls. Yeah, <laughs> we, had, we had done some kind of uh, A B test on two different design options, and one of them converted much better, but the client didn't like the look of that design as much. So, Gail actually asked this guy straight up, "Do you want something that you think looks nice, or do you want to make more money?" And his his response was that he wanted something that he liked the look of better. Now, this is absolutely not the decision-making process that you should be be having if you want to be successful. You are not your audience and you are not capable of assessing what thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of people want. The only way to, to do that reliably and successfully is with data. So to look at your numbers, to look at your analytics, to look at all your kind of tracking metrics and see what people are doing and use that as a basis for your, your decision your decision-making stuff. Anything else you want to say about that? Not really, but like, yeah, I agree with everything. Like I've, I've met so many people that, you know, also that there's that and there's also, that also applies to like what you should be working on right now, you know? So not only on making decisions, but also like, and a perfect example, for example, is Authority Hacker. And we keep taking that example, but our homepage is a, is a joke at this point, right? Yeah. It's going to be a meme soon. Like there's going to be an animated GIF for it. But, it is not the most important thing to work on right now. And, you know, emotionally, I am compelled to fix that homepage. But at the same time, I know that, you know, working on sales funnels or working on a new blueprint or working on things that actually add value to the readers is just a better thing to do right now. Or just like scaling content, training people, like working with pairing, etc. And so not only do you need to, you know, focus on data, etc. when you get to make decisions, but also when you decide on what to work next, Get to what is making you money right now and figure out how to scale that versus trying to, you know, it's one of these things where you will make more money focusing on your strength than trying to fix your weaknesses, you know, but emotionally, you know, having your weaknesses exposed as exposed as your homepage is definitely it hurts your emotion. I think you went to that to that design feedback thing at the Dynamite Circle conference, DCBKK, mm-hmm. and they essentially told you our site was a spammy site, right? 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, because these designers, they're like, holy crap, what is this site? It's horrible. And I agree. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the truth is, Atari Hacker is a thriving business right now, despite its horrible homepage. And I think it is a good reminder. It makes a point that you should not necessarily walk on where your emotions lead you, but what, what the data shows. And right now, the data shows that I haven't released a blueprint for a while, and that I definitely need to get on that first, you know? Yeah, and uh, there's another another point here as well. It's around like uh, you know you mentioned that people were sort of saying bad things about the the, <laughs> the, the design and stuff. When your site starts to to grow, you start getting a lot of haters. So like people who leave bad comments, or even sometimes like customers who send who are like unreasonable with uh, you know support expectations or requests. Not saying that that doesn't apply to to us or anything, but. You know, you just have to kind of like expect, like understand that it's not personal. If someone's saying, oh, your service sucks or your product sucks or your latest blog post or podcast is terrible, I hated it. Why would you ever do this? That's not a personal insult to you. So you kind of like, you have to not take these things too personally. And if one person's saying something bad, then it's not necessarily like a big deal. But you know, if a lot of people are, are having a problem, then okay, like then this probably signifies that there's something something wrong, and you should make a plan and take action to to rectify that. That's just a logical response to to it, you know. And uh, I think if you start getting too emotional or lashing out at people and or telling people to get a yeah. job, <laughs> well, it's not what I meant in that. Case. I know, I know. But it's actually the best thing for that guy to do. So, absolutely. But you get the point. Like, if you get too, if you get too sort of like emotional in in, in these kind of things, then it, it does not lead to to good situations. Okay, cool. Let's move on. Number ten. Yeah. What we got? Number ten. I put it, and I say it probably won't look like the social network. And, you know, after I wrote it, I realized that the movie is getting quite old, and maybe the younger people have not seen it. Anyway, the social network is the movie that talks about the story of you know how Mark Zuckerberg created Facebook and all the crazy stuff, and most importantly, how fast it grew. Right? It's like, you know, within half an hour, they have like 200 employees and an office and Peter Thiel's investment. Probably won't feel that way when you start your website. The truth is, uh, you know, it's kind of like an exponential curve, the growth of your site. Uh, at least for the first few years. But that means that the really first few ones are really, really slow. It's like the grind to get to 50 visitors per day. Right now, I would say taking a new site from zero to 50 visitors per day is the equivalent of growing health ambitions traffic by like 1,000 to 1,500 visitors per day. So that it's the same amount of effort, essentially. And that hockey stick thing, it means that your first years, that's what I tell people usually, you get paid worse than if you worked at McDonald's. Uh, which, which is not like, I hope some people still want to start online marketing after that podcast, by the way. But the thing is, uh, when it takes off, it, it compounds and it gets crazy. And, you know, an example is like uh, Atari Hacker. Like first year, I think it made around $20,000 in revenue, which after the expenses and stuff was just not a lot. And, you know, year three was like almost half a million dollars. And like, it's like, it just... It's not linear, right? It's like it was like 20K. I think maybe second year was like 70 or 80K. And third year was like half a million dollars when we figured out the launches, et cetera. And health emission has worked the same way as well. The, the growth was, it was not as exponential, but it's definitely been like huge jumps from year to year and basically doubling down every year again and again and again. So 
it won't look like the social network. At the beginning, it's going to be extremely slow and grindy, but you just got to understand that if you just maintain that level of effort, eventually things are going to double down every couple months. And at some point, the doubling is going to become like massive and it's going to really push stuff up. So then you get to that, to that super fast growth, but it's, it's taking a long time. Let's go to point 11 then. Okay. So, I mean, we kind of covered this already, I guess. Uh, oh, yeah, true. Competitors. But yeah, I mean, just, just to recap on that, like everyone copies everyone and it's generally when there's competition over a, a market, that's a really good sign. Actually, a lot of people, when they're starting out, they look for some space or some perfect niche where there's no competition. If there's no competition, chances are there's no money to be made, so you should avoid it. So just accept that, uh, you know, this is this is part of it. Uh, there's a pretty like famous recent example actually with like Snapchat. I know it's not internet marketing, but they were Facebook tried to buy them or something like that, and then they said no, they want too high a price. So then Facebook, which owns Instagram, made Instagram Stories, which is essentially Snapchat, just something else to try and you know it's, they just copied the feature straight up. But that's okay, you know they they want to do that. They can. Snapchat is not that. dead, right? Yeah. They just keep it's, keep working on their on on doing their own thing and keep innovating. Of course, it works the other way around. You know, Snapchat now has to keep an eye on Instagram, and the next thing Instagram does, maybe Snapchat's going to respond with a similar feature, or maybe they can kind of one up each other. And this is actually this process of kind of half copying, half trying to get a leg up on the competition is where innovation comes from. So I think that's just something important to uh, to keep in mind. Yeah, I think it's like Schumpeter that was talking about like grapes of innovation starting all at the same time through competition copying each other, actually. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of classic economy in that podcast, that doesn't hurt. But I think we should jump. Well, I think we're basically done with that topic and we should definitely jump on the Amazon update. So I know a lot of people were asking us like, oh, how did it go for you guys, et cetera, et cetera. Well, basically our revenue dropped around 35%. Which, you know, it sucks, <laughs> but it's not the end of the world. I mean, like I, in the long term perspective of our, for our content, for our affiliate content, it's still extremely good and it's still going to be like very profitable and we're still planning to publish just as much. If you check House Emission, we haven't slowed down and we have a huge pipeline of content coming up because you know what, like the, the profit margins were much higher than 35% anyway. I'm not saying that we won't be testing with other programs and we definitely do the CRO stuff that we talked about on the podcast. I mean, we've been doing a little bit already. And it's really, really not the end of the world. I know some people where it's dropped as much as 50%. I know some people where it's dropped as little as 15%. So the, the fork is pretty large. But, you know, it's still complicated to find a program that will pay as much as Amazon just because they have so many products, because they convert so well, etc. It's they're kind of on par with a lot of in a lot of niches they're on par with other markets except that you also you know these these other competitors they only sell tech or they only sell house products or whatever and so you actually make less money because you sell less items to the visitors so i don't think swapping amazon is the short-term answer to everything i think people should continue business as usual i hope that they can still sustain their business but you know normally they should it's not that bad and slowly test rather than like jump the boat and, and redo everything or reconstruct the business model from scratch. How do you feel about the update? 
almost goes back to uh, the previous yeah. uh, last point about competition and what we're saying about like driving innovation. It's like when these big like radical changes happen in a market, everything just gets shaken up and people are immediately trying to to innovate and to to find new opportunities, new new things to do. And I'm actually quite excited actually about potentially getting into doing own products and FBA stuff and and that not immediately but in the in the not too distant future I think there could be some cool opportunities there so yeah cool so that's basically it for that podcast I guess we're like 53 minutes in that is definitely one of the longer ones our last like four podcasts evolved in this sense when we started this we we're like okay we're gonna make our podcast 20 minutes, 20 minutes. <laughs> I don't think we've ever had a sub 20 minute podcast actually we sparing we did it when we did the update on Amazon it was a uh, it was actually 27 minutes which yeah. is is very short for us yeah anyway People still listen to it. So, guys, thanks for listening. Thank we'll we'll be back next week. So, next Monday, we'll be back to our regular schedule. Don't worry about that. So, Monday the 13th. All right. So, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.